Well, Gina's preparing. Let me just tell you that she had no idea she was liturgist this morning until she walked in. Not until I saw my name in the bulletin. It's a good thing I read it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lesson for us all. Okay, today's reading is from Luke. It's chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quinarius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While we were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. All right, so, history views me as some kind of cruel, heartless, old, and crotchety landlord that wouldn't allow some strange-looking young family from out of town to stay in my inn. I get that she was pregnant. I mean, she was really pregnant. I get that they traveled a long way. I get that, okay, but just hold on just a minute. Time out. Let's back up just a bit before jumping to so many conclusions about how terrible I am. First, it's important to know that it wasn't an inn at all, at least not in today's standards of an inn. It wasn't some bed and breakfast, nor was it even a place that anyone would call a place to stay for an extended period of time. It was a house, a big house, at least bigger than your normal size house. So to call me an innkeeper is, well, simply just not right. You see, my grandfather, he built the house. His name was Joshua ben Jacob. He built it back when trade between Jerusalem and Egypt was doing well. He built it as his business. And because he and my mom, well, had 14 children, yeah, 14 children, he built it big. By the time I married my wife, the trade business had all but dried up and blown away, kind of like, you know, the desert around us. Given that I was the oldest son, I took it on and tried to figure out, well, what what should we do with this place? Well, Rachel, that's my wife, well, she and I just kind of rattled around in it, but uh, hey, the beauty is if we fought, well, we had plenty of room to get away from each other. And oh... Oh, what a temper. She has a temper. What a temper she has. I could tell you stories. Okay, enough of that. (laughs) So, a few years ago when the missus and I finally had the kids move out, we thought we could provide a service to travelers. Stupid idea. Have you seen Bethlehem on a map? No. Not in our day. There ain't nothing there. It's not like we're some destination resort. Again, nothing there. Okay, we had an occasional visitor visiting family in the area. Once in a while, a traveling salesman selling camel paraphernalia. 
Maybe someone with a newfangled broom idea that would go door to door, but that's, uh, that's about it. Well, but uh, surely Rachel's lamb stew got a few folks to return. But again, hey, that's it. Uh, that is until. I can't say the word that I want to say because we're in the synagogue. That is until that census. Hey, we're Bethlehem. We're not even a dot on the map. We got nothing here. Our only claim to fame is that this is where King David was born, but... Even that wasn't here in town. It was out in the hills. Taxes, 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 and more taxes to fund the wars these Romans seem to love. People flocked, pardon the pun, <laughs> into town, and oh, they came to me, and we had rooms, yeah, but we got full to overflowing, the missus and I. Well, we even gave up our bedroom. Yeah, you know, money is money, you know. Well, we slept out in the living room at first. I, I tried to keep track of the rent while on the living room floor. I tried to keep track of the rent while Rachel cooked 24-7, but they just kept coming. So we stacked two or three families in each of the rooms. There was nowhere else to put them. Rachel and I finally ended up sleeping in the kitchen on the floor. And even then, they kept coming and coming. Well, we finally filled the main room with four families and Finally, I had to start turning people away. We had to. It wasn't just that we had no more room. We were running out of food. Oh, bay. Ah, but with that in mind, I remember that night. People just kept knocking and knocking and knocking at the door looking for a place to stay. I must have gotten out of bed seven or eight or ten or twenty times, stumbled over sleeping bodies trying to get to the door before the knocks woke everyone up. No room, I said. No room. No more room was right. Ah, those at the door would mutter something obscene. Think about camels. <laughs> and I'd clam back over the bodies and back to bed. Okay, back to bed. <laughs> Blanket on the kitchen floor. That was, uh, that was until they showed up. First it was a very quiet knock, knock, knock. And then it grew a bit louder over the bodies again like someone else couldn't have answered the door. Open it and say the same thing. I'm saying no room. Now go away and let me sleep. But I opened the door and there they stood. I was about to say it. Then I heard her moan. It wasn't the kind of moan you hear when people are disappointed. It was a, a, a painful moan. The kind I'd heard my wife utter when it was, you know, time. You know, time. <laughs> ah, then I watched her bend over this young lady over and watched her grab her husband's arm. Oh, he was big. He was large, not in the sense of fat, but mm, big and muscular. She was this tiny little young thing, young yet huge with child. It was dark, but I could see that they were both in tough shape. She, ooh, she was in terrible shape. And I stood in the door and I just looked at them. She must have thought I was crazy. But then she looked at me, and something in her eyes took my breath away. 
And it was right then, oh, <laughs> right then, that one of the sheep called out. And it caused me to look up and looked over at the barn. Okay, it was more like a shack. They kept the sun off the animals, but it was there. No one was sleeping out there. I mean, it was a shack. And oh, it was filled with animals. It was old. Just look at it. Run down. And kind of like me, it didn't smell good. <laughs> but it was shelter and they needed it. It was, oh, it was a strange night. The strangest I've ever known. We went out and we checked on them every once in a while but, and brought food and water and whatever we had left. We tried to make them comfortable in spite of the complaints of the others at the house. We even found an old tattered blanket. And I found a little bit of clean straw, made a, a makeshift cradle out of one of the feeding troughs and tried in the midst of it all to provide some comfort, whatever we could. It was a strange night. And it would get stranger the later it became. Then, as Rachel and I were in the kitchen trying to scramble together anything we could for food, it was then that we heard her scream. We knew then she had given birth. We dropped what we had and we rushed to the barn, looked in, and there was that reddish-purplish baby nursing at her mother's, at his mother's breast, I, I of course looked away. But then the man looked up, tears in his eyes, and without saying a word, was saying, "Thank you, thank you." I knew it, but that wasn't the strangest part. No, there was a light in the sky. And you see, I, I, I could hear voices. No, not those kinds of voices. But I could hear singing voices. It was distant, but I could hear it. It was, oh, it was beautiful. But then, soon after, came those dirty, filthy... Oh, sorry. Then came the shepherds. And the strangest thing, in that shack, they knelt before the baby and covered him with a blanket made from their wool, the wool from their flocks, and they, they shared some of their goat's milk. I know you know this, but shepherds never knelt in front of anything, and they certainly never gave up anything they had. But that night, that night they did. And I swear, there was a light we didn't provide. The whole place just seemed to glow. And when you looked out, well, I don't know how to explain it. It was beyond light. It's something that happened in each of us. I, I, I felt gentle. I, I felt comfort. I, I felt joy. Even me, I felt joy. Oh, but there's more. Lots, lots more. But I know I can go on sometimes, but let's just say, this baby, a boy, by the way, was born because of the gifts from so many. Of that man, that big man who brought that girl because of that emperor. <laughs> ah, 
You would have thought she was a queen the way he treated her, took care of her, and just surrounded her with those big, muscular arms to protect her. And, and again, there were angels. Now, I swear, angels who told shepherd that shepherds, the shepherds who came and miraculously provided blankets and milk. And then, one of the younger shepherd boys, ah, oh, he sang a song of comfort as this baby nursed. There were the animals, my animals, that provided warmth, and if that wasn't enough, there was this star that just simply illuminated the night. And later I hear there were some kings who brought gifts. And yes, even this old crotchety innkeeper who was able to offer a place as meager as it was, with fresh straw, an old blanket and some food. Not a very nice place for a baby to be born, but it, uh, it was a place. And after all was said and done, Rachel took them some lamb stew, some milk and some water to drink. It was uh, as strange as it was. It was a gentle night. It was a beautiful night. And as someone I hear would write later, it was more like a gentle, silent night. Well, I will tell you, our lives were changed, and not just on this night, but in many to come. You see, we welcomed a new family into our lives. I, I became a grandfather, an umpa of sorts that night. I, I can still feel, oh, I can still feel the tiny fingers of that child grabbing my finger and wrapping his little hands around it. And oh, what power, what power was in that little, little hand. Well, we kept in touch over the years. Then we saw that baby later on. After he'd grown, he would come to visit and we would greet each other like old friends. No, more like loving family. And instead of saying, no room, no room, we now say, make room. Make room because of him and know that if we make room, we can be filled with the love that we saw and felt that night. Ah, sometimes it's easy to forget there are deeper meanings to these stories. I, I read the Torah. And so the rabbi says over and over and over again, there are always deeper meanings. I, I think, think about our souls. Think about our hearts, aren't they much like what we find in this story of that night? If our hearts are filled with other things, you know, like our, our house that night, then there is no room for this child. If our lives are so busy, then how can we possibly fill our souls with things God wants rather than what we want? The miracle of it all is that there is always a way, always an answer if we just take the time to look around us. God makes a way. Even if it's listening to the beckoning call of a lamb. I remember it was only in that call that we found room where there was no room. Uh, so this old innkeeper has to ask you, 
What's the call God is offering or even asking of you? Hmm. Are you listening? Well, this old back is getting sore sitting here so long, and my eyes aren't what they used to be. I know dinner is coming, and Rachel can get some frustrated when I'm late. But just remember this story, my friends, and, and come, come, visit us. We'll always find room. And maybe, just maybe, you can do the same. Shalom to you. Shalom. And a reminder of what the Torah says. For unto us a child was born. For unto you, for unto you, a child is born. Unto you. Amen.